year and his passing. Uh, we love your brother. Uh, we thank you, Miss Rodriguez, mm-hmm. for doing this. And we're going we're gonna, to, uh, you know, do this again. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because it's not over. Because don't you have something to say? Uh, yeah, but it, I can't We're going to do it when we come back yeah. from NPR, okay? And then we have some folks that are here today that are going to be talking about uh, some very, very important uh, issues surrounding uh the issue of what we call the Pure Project, P U obviously P U R E, you can spell something wrong. But anyway, Pure Project, as we're gonna talk about it today here on the Sunday Forum, uh, it is now nine nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, this beautiful Sunday morning, WMNF eighty point five, Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. We'll be right back with NPR right here on the Sunday Forum. See you in a few minutes, folks. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. On this 21st anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, the names of victims are being read aloud this morning at Ground Zero in New York City. Gordon M. Ameth, Jr. Adelmiro Abad. Marie Rose Abad. Andrew Anthony Abate. Victims, relatives, and dignitaries, including Vice President Kamala Harris, are in New York for the annual ceremony marking the deadliest terror attack on U.S. soil. President Biden is planning to speak next hour at the Pentagon. First Lady Jill Biden is to deliver remarks in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, at the National Flight 93 Memorial. The operator of the the, uh, nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine, controlled by Russia and at the center of much international concern, says it is powering down the final working reactor. NPR's Alyssa Nedwarney has more on that decision. In a message Sunday morning, the organization in charge of nuclear safety in Ukraine said that while power lines had been restored to the Zaporizhia power plant, enabling the plant to power its own needs, reactor number six was being disconnected. The plant's operator says it is preparing the reactor to be cooled and transferred to a cold state, the safest state possible, according to Energo Autumn. Because of shelling in and around the plant, the entire plant has been cut off from the electricity grid for the past six days now, with that one working reactor on island mode essentially powering the rest of the plant. The Ukrainian owners have been discussing shutting down the plant because of the power issues and the condition of the Ukrainian workers there. Alyssa Nadborny, NPR News. Dnipro, Ukraine. The last reactor at the Zaporizhia plant is being powered down as Ukrainian forces push their counteroffensive in the east. Ukraine reported to be making significant gains in the Kharkiv region. The British Defense Ministry says Russia is likely withdrawing units, but fighting continues around the city of Skopiansk and Izium. Queen Elizabeth's coffin is making a six-hour journey this morning from the Royal Castle in Balmoral to Edinburgh. The convoy passing through small Scottish towns where thousands are lining the streets to pay their respects. NPR's Frank Langford reports from Bankery. Thousands uh, of people are on the sidewalks here on this beautiful, it's a glorious Sunday morning in this small Scottish town. And here comes the uh, hearse. It's a black hearse. It has windows so you can see everything and covering the Queen's coffin is a yellow flag. And people I've talked to here today say one of the reasons they've come out is because the Queen meant so much to them and they brought their grandchildren. Some people, one person I talked to, a man named Terry Rigby, said he remembers being carried on the shoulders of his father when the Queen was coronated so many years ago. NPR's Frank Langford reporting, and you're listening to NPR News. Visa is joining MasterCard and American Express in adopting a new merchant category code for gun sales that was approved Friday. The change is seen as a victory for gun control advocates who say the move will help track suspicious purchases that could signal a mass shooting. However, gun rights supporters argue that it's unfair to separately categorize gun sales because most do not lead to mass shootings. People in Sweden are voting today in what's expected to be one of the most closely fought elections in the country's history. The Prime Minister Magdalena Anderson is attempting to keep her center-left Social Democrats at the helm of the governing coalition. Here's the BBC's Maddie Savage. Tackling integration and a rise in shootings have been among the top issues in a heated campaign here, with inflation, health care and schools also dominating the agenda. 
Polls suggest Magdalene Anderson's Social Democrats are on course to win the most votes, as the party has done in elections here for over a century. But they'll need several smaller political allies to do well and offer their support in order to form a stable government. Meanwhile, they're facing tough competition from parties on the right, including the anti-immigration Sweden Democrats. Canada's opposition Conservative Party has elected a firebrand as its new party leader. Pierre Poiliev opposes vaccine mandates and blames global inflation on Canada's prime minister. He won the party leadership on Saturday's first ballot. The 43-year-old is a career politician. I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Skoll Foundation, committed to powering social entrepreneurs and other social innovators who build bold and equitable solutions that transform the world. Learn more at Skoll.org. I'm Randy Zimmerman, General Manager of WMNF. Since 1998, my family has attended WMNF music and other events where my kids and I could be ourselves and together. Now I meet the grown children of many of my colleagues who are returning to the WMNF community. They've grown up with the values that we parents share with them and that our kids now bring into adulthood with their children. I call them G2s, second generation WMNF community members. I want to make sure we're around for G3, G4, G5, and so on. That's why I donated to the WMNF Meet the Match Endowment Campaign. Join me by going to WMNF.org slash Meet the Match to give all children a stronger WMNF in the future. Thank you. The Community Foundation Tampa Bay supports nonprofits through the power of endowment. The governing body of WMNF, the Nathan B. Stubblefield Foundation, is seeking applications for the Board of Directors. Interested candidates will have an exciting opportunity to be a part of steering WMNF into the future. You may find the application in the About section on our website, wmnf.org, or call 813-238-8001 for more information. The deadline to apply is Friday, September 23rd at 5 o'clock p.m. Every Friday at 2 p.m., it's Live Music Showcase here on WMNF. I'm your host, Ken Apperson. It's a deep dive show. We dig into the message behind the music through song and interview. We have your new favorite bands from right in your own backyard. Listen to Live Music Showcase every Friday at 2 p.m. after the news headlines. I'll move over this way a little bit. And we're back right here on the Sunday Forum. Uh, if you heard that we're trying to shift around in the studio here, those people who are watching us live, you're seeing the live camera being moved around so that we can get in uh, our guests that have come into the studio. It's been a while since we have been able to have... Uh, uh, guests in studio here on the Sunday Forum uh, because of COVID. And now that things have changed some somewhat, we have uh, we have been uh, fortunate enough to have. Let's put that around. No, 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 no. Let's bring that around the glass here on this side. There we go. There we go. Um, we have been fortunate enough to have. Uh, um, guests here back into the studio so that we can you can see your guests live here on the sunday forum and uh let's turn the, let's shift the camera the the the, 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 no, no, the the top of it the top of it so there we go there we go and if we can i'll do i'll do it i'll do it there we go let's, uh, yep, yep, we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it right. We're gonna get it right, folks. We are very glad to have in the studio with us this morning. Uh, gosh, we have uh, Miss Rodriguez. What is your first name again? Laura. Laura Rodriguez, who's coming to the studio with us this morning and giving us a tremendous presentation 
for uh, Hispanic History Month, and we've seen some parallels with regard to uh, some things that are happening in this community right now uh, that we have got to unpack, and we have unpacked, and we are we are so glad to have um, have that happen because as we go into this second hour of the Sunday Forum, uh, we're going to discuss the issue of uh, <coughs> of the, the issues that are relevant to um, this community, the community that you live in, and um, gosh, we still got to finish the Hispanic History Month. Uh, presentations because we have one more that's going to come from Miss Yumiko. <laughs> yeah, so this piece is going to be about uh, Antonio M- Masillo. You put some respect in that man's name. <laughs> I don't know. Major General Antonio <laughs> Masillo. <laughs> what? On okay, yes, earth? Lieutenant General Jose Antonio de la. Oh, Lord. Car- no Car- <laughs> Sorry, stop, I don't. Stop. I don't speak Spanish. What? Woo! <laughs> I'm gonna help you out. Baby. I'm gonna help you out. All right. Okay. General. General. Major General. Major General. Antonio. Antonio. Jose. Antonio. Jose. Antonio. Okay. La Caridad. La, la, what? La Caridad is whole <laughs> name. My God, the guy's whole name. La, la Caridad. La, 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 I can't say. Oh, I'm making this so hard for you. Yeah, this is going to be, you know what? <laughs> but, I, uh, for short, General Antonio Maceo okay. de Gerjales, right? Uh, oh, okay. General Antonio Maceo was, was go ahead, now take, take okay, it away. Okay, yeah, he was the, the general. He <laughs> was the second <laughs> in command. <laughs> he was the second in command of Cuba <laughs> Army of Independence. Fellow Cubans gave Maceo, hold on, okay, Maceo, the nickname, the Bronze Titan, nickname that he earned after being wounded several times in battle. Spaniards referred to Maceo as the Greater Lion. He led the Mambus? Mambi. Mambi, Mambi, okay, (laughs) both wars of Cuban independence from Spain. Okay, so... Finally remembered as a brave leader who suffered 24 battle wounds and fought two wars for Cuban independence, Antonio Maceo remains one of the most loved figures in Cuban history. After his death in the battle on December 7, 1896, he was affectionately nicknamed the Bronze Titan. Maceo was born on June the 14th, 1845 in Santiago de Cuba, the son of a free black Venezuelan farmer and dealer in agriculture products. Excuse me. At age 16, Maceo went to work for his father, delivering produce and supplies by, by mule back. And young Maceo developed an active interest in political issues of his time and was encouraged by his parents to act on his feelings. Week after Carlos Manuel de Casca, Casabes revolt against Spain on October the 25th, 1868, known as El Grite de Yare. Maceo and his brothers joined the War of Independence. Within five months, Maceo was promoted to commander, and within a matter of weeks after he was again promoted to lieutenant colonel of Liberating Army, one on January the 16th, 1869. And what became the 10-year war, Maceo participated in over 500 battles against the Spanish Empire. A historian, Philip Farnier, from his book, Antonio Maceo. Maceo delighted in outsmarting the Spanish generals again and again, and he decoyed them into the situations that were disastrous to them. Fearing his sudden rise in fame and popularity, rebel conservatives launched an all-out slander campaign against Maceo. This is believed to be one of the most main reasons of the failure of the 10-year. In 1878, Maceo opposed the Pact of... Zanon. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Which ended the war in statements and Spanish promise of reform. The pact offered a general animosity to the rebels, but did not end slavery, although it did grant freedom to the slaves who fought on either side. 
When the war ended, Maceo was forced into exile, surviving numerous assassination attempts planned and funded by the Spaniards up until the beginning of the Second War of Cuban Independence. And after years of organizing Cubans inside and outside the island, Jose Marti found the Cuban Revolutionary Party in 1892 and sought Maceo's help in what would be Cuba's final war against Spain. And during this war, Maceo led the liberating army into Havana in what's known as the Western Invasion. It is considered one of the great military fields of the century. Like his father and brothers, Maceo died in battle, fighting of Cuban independence, and the final moment came in the Battle of Punta Brava in Western Western Cuba. So this report came from the history of Cuba, and one was written by Jerry A. Sierra. All right, all right. Jerry Sierra has done a tremendous job over the years of writing these short histories Uh of uh, of Antonio Maceo, but also about um, these issues on a page that's known as Afro-Cuban web. People like to try to discredit what he has done uh, because of the effort to support an historical attitude of his of institutional whitening in Latin America. Um, and if you don't believe me on the issue of institutional whitening, that was actually a law. Look it up. Uh, that was actually enacted throughout much of Latin America mm-hmm. just after slavery because of the numbers of black people on these islands and in these countries in order to eliminate the number of people that looked like us uh, and to try to whiten the the population um, for the purposes of tourism and doing business with uh, business with Europeans um, and even Americans in many instances. Um, I know that when I've told this story many, many times. I remember, I have no... How should I say this? Okay, I'll just put it like this. Um, to my dear friends who are members of the Rough Riders, stop, please stop your revering of Leonard Wood. Please stop that. Leonard Wood was not a good man at all. Leonard Wood was a racist SOB. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Loudly and clearly, so everybody understands me. <clears throat> Colonel Leonard Woodward was a sorry, lousy, SOB racist who, during the time of uh, the American occupation in 1898, uh, enacted a Jim Crow uh, set of set of laws that were that was more stringent than the ones that existed already in Cuba. Okay, it's not to say there weren't any things going on, you know, racism or anything like that in Cuba before. Clearly, there was, but he enacted something that was far more stringent, and all historical records show that it happened. Um, that Cubans were unable to wrap their heads around in many instances, but. It became, it created a, a more nefarious and evil and terrible and terribly violent atmosphere uh, in the country during the occupation. And so this man led this, he established it, and he, he enforced it. He enforced it as the occupational leader uh, and representative in the, of the United States, yet uh, I remember being remember many many times that members of the Rough Riders would actually take this man and and in his memory and act as though he was some sort of hero. He was not a hero. He was not a hero. So you know, if anything, he did a great disservice to this country, and certainly a, a great disservice to um, race relations. He wasn't accredited to any kind of race relations of any kind. And certainly not to humans and human rights. So, you know, if that's what you want to support, and that's what you want to you want to say with some sort of hero, then knock yourselves out. But it doesn't make you look very good. And if you want if you want to contest what I'm saying, 
I welcome you to call in 813-239-9663. We can have the debate right here on air live. We do have a caller on the line. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, caller, <clears throat> you're on the Sunday Forum. Yo, Uhuru. Uhuru. How you doing, Brother African? Man, I'm in the game, man. How about yourself? I'm all right, brother. I'm all right. So um, I'm not going, I don't, I don't know enough to say much about the great history pieces that put out, but I do want to, I do know a few things, and, you know, some, some of it has, you know, I think the things I want to say connect to the beginning of the show more so than the, um, you know, the, the, the narratives that we've heard uh, most recently. But uh, so I hope I'm not getting too off subject. I do want to say, man, Eddie Adams was a good dude. And, um, you know, for all of, you know, all, all, whatever controversy surrounded him and his black Republicanism and what happened. He was, um, <laughs> he, he was uh, you know, he, he was a good guy to, you know, to be around and talk to. Uh, you know, he very knowledgeable and committed, you know, to uh, what he believed in. And that's something that you don't, that seems to be rare these days, you know what I mean, to find somebody who's, um, you know, who believes in what they say, you know, they believe in. And uh, so I just really want to, you know, give a shout out to that, you know, this dedication show. That, that's really cool. Um, also, you know, we lost some other Tampa Giants, man. Ricky Williams, you know. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, Ricky Williams, uh, you know, he's an attorney here, amazing guy, uh, really cheerful up until... You know, I, I saw him, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And, I mean, just even though he was battling with, uh, you know, health issues, he was still cheerful, giving, and, you know, uh, warm. And, you know, yeah, it's a really, really good dude, man. And um, her Bertha, you know, I'm just, like, calling um, people that uh, I know uh, meant something to us in the community who recently died, um, you know, right around the same time, Eddie Adams. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do want to say, Yumiko, I hope you know that I don't want no, I don't want anybody to be sick at all. But I do recall about two years ago or something like that, man, you talking about getting the vaccine, the booster, the this, the that. And I think you said that if I didn't get it, I might get sick or something like that. And I hate to hear that you got sick, but I just want to say to all the people out here who've been dedicating their lives to eating healthily. You know, like I said, Eddie Adams was committed to what he believed in. Man, look, I've been around at least three people who had COVID. I've been around my wife who was at, on the COVID ward. Uh, and fortunately, we ain't had no COVID. No vaccine, no boosters, no COVID. Just eating right, doing the best you can to stay active and, you know, plenty of water. And the same thing I preach about when we talk about this thing, uh, you know, these viruses, these, you know, other uh, pathogens that, might create ailments for us. Like, man, you know, you can really let your food be your medicine, let your medicine be your food. I just wanted, mm -hmm. I smiled when I heard that you had the vaccine and the two boosters and still got it and walked. Man, you you had a, com a comedic moment when, when she said that she couldn't smell it unless, unless she put it up her nose and she said, well, that's probably what you need to smell. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, definitely don't want anybody to be sick. I want people to be healthy and that's, you know, that's why I preach this whole idea of a healthy living lifestyle you know it don't your medicine can be your food your food can be a medicine so i'm, I'm glad that you're feeling better you nico and thank you um i hope that uh yeah i hope that you don't get this with that thing again i heard it's pretty bad don't don't stick it up your nose <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty bad but i'm doing better thank you <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I really am. Thank you. All right, listen, man. I love you, brother African. I appreciate you allowing me to share. Just you know, we just you know we got to take care of ourselves. You know, the human potential for longevity is like 120 years, really. <laughs> and, you know, we Eddie Adams didn't you know didn't get close. Ricky didn't get close, and a lot of us don't get close, man. But we can, and I really want us to you know just live healthily and and work at that because we do need each other, and we need people like Eddie and Ricky and you know others to you know stick around, man. You know, this legacy and you know and learning to be done from that. Oh, and by the way, that that person that you said that the Buffalo soldiers sitting hold up sound like he could be a good candidate for police chief and then Tampa mayor. Uh, he, you know, it was around. <laughs> Sounds just like uh, <laughs> and that, that was the Rough Riders, but his name was Leonard Woods. Oh, yeah, but yeah, 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 you're right. That's Teddy Roosevelt's crew. Rough Rider category, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Looks like he could have been a good uh, police chief for Tampa and eventually become mayor. <laughs> on how you described him. Yeah, but anyway, all right, brothers, we're talking, brother and sister, we're talking the future. To be continued. All right, brother, peace to you, man. Ladies and gentlemen, life, Malcolm.
right. Yeah, we also, we have another call. Next call. Okay. Next call. Then we're gonna go to our guest. Okay, caller, you're you're on air. Yes. Good morning. Peace and blessings. Good morning, uh, Queen. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing fine. I just wanted to call and share with you uh, my first uh, deepest condolence to, for Brother Eddie and his family. Um, but to share with the audience how I met Eddie, uh, of course, politically, we was on different tracks and uh, on a lot of things. But uh, it was when I was a um, host there at WMNF. You know, I used to do a show called Straight Talk. And uh, the show in itself, uh, for some people in our community, uh, working class people held it up as their voice. And on the other aisle, it, it was a great irritation to those that hold power, held power, didn't want to be held accountable for the social injustice that a lot of poor and working class people was experiencing. And so straight talk, when we had to do our uh, fund drive, we would go directly to the community and ask for nothing more than you couldn't contribute over $5. And every month we raised our goals. And so when I came into the studio, I never had to do the pledge drive build up a sweat because I brought in enough nickels, dimes, quarters, and dollars to, you know, uh, show not only sustainability, but that community really appreciated. But on the other end, there was those that wanted the show removed. It was too controversial. And Eddie was a board member. And Eddie was fighting tooth and nails to make sure that Straight Talk was able to Stay as long as we did and be forever grateful for that. Uh, I remember when I first heard that the board was attempting to remove straight talk and Eddie was the uh, sole, the only African-American on the board at the time. I went out to, uh, they was having a picnic, a workshop or something. And I was so mad because I said, Eddie ain't fighting hard enough. And I didn't know Eddie. But I knew he was a Republican, and I thought he was the villain. And what I found out that day, and henceforth, that Eddie had a uh, love for the African community. He would say, I'm talking for black folks. I'm fighting for my community. And everything that he strived to do in terms of establishing a bank, a credit union in our community, against all odds. He continued to profess uh, not only uh, in words but in action his ongoing devotion to our community. So he would be, uh, you know, dearly missed. Um, I used to have to call over that that porch talk radio and get on him over there, but uh, <laughs> rest, you know, I, I enjoyed his uh, spirit, <laughs> his ongoing, like I said. Uh, dedication for the cause of our liberation. So, uh, you're going to be missed. Absolutely. Left, uh, absolutely. We, listen, let me tell you. Footprint. Absolutely. We're supposed to continue our work. All absolutely. right. All power to the people. All right. All right. Uhuru and all power to the people. Um, let me tell you. Um, Queen, Queen. We do have another caller. We have another. Okay, we we'll have to wait for a moment because we okay. got to get this 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 part of, of the discussion in, and then we'll go to the caller. Caller, please, if you will, hold tight. Uh, we we need to get this part of the discussion in uh, because it's important to us uh, here and, and the people in this community um, as we as we dis as we move forward with some very important issues. Um, for the city of Tampa. Gotta, gotta do it. Gotta do it, folks. Uh, so we have in studio with us uh, people that I consider to be legends. Don't look like that, Carol. Don't do that. Don't act like that. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and people that I also consider to be very good friends. Um, we have sitting next to me, for those people who 
are looking right now on Facebook, you can see um, to the right of me, uh, Miss Nancy Stevens. Hey, Nancy. Hey, How are you doing? Oh, just fine. Good, good, good. Then we have to her right, uh, Phil Compton. Phil? Good morning. How are you? I'm great. I see you got your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's game day. Game day, baby. <laughs> Ready to get it on. CG's going to play. I'm telling you, man, we're going to go get some wings and sit down and have, have a couple of brews and watch this game, right? Yeah, for oh, sure. That's what I'm trying to tell you. My son and I are going to go do it. <laughs> then to the right of uh, Phil is Miss Carol Camisa. How are you? I'm great. Uh, look, Walter, I dressed up to be on radio. Uh, I know. <laughs> I love it. I got my tie on. <laughs> Carol, let me tell you, Carol. <laughs> Carol has always uh, uh, got jokes, right? And we sit up and talk for uh, we can talk for hours on the phone, and we just laugh. I don't think I don't think there's a moment that we discuss something that we don't laugh about something, and and we about to just fall over laughing about it. Um, Carol is with the League of Women Voters. What is your official position with the league? I head the Environment and Climate Action Group. Okay, okay. And the way we met, Carol, is very interesting uh, because we spoke about uh, plastics initially and uh, uh, plastics in the environment and the detrimental impacts mm -hmm. of that. Uh, then we began to talk about uh, gyp stacks and things like that, how we could deal with, with those as well. And uh, we still talk about it. We still talk about it, folks, uh, as we're coming up with solutions uh, to resolve uh, these environmental standards. We, we um, and I, I got a, I got a story for everybody that's sitting in this in this room right now. I mean, and understand when I say legends, these folks that are standing that are sitting with me right now have we've been we've been to battle together, literally. We've been to battle, we've been to war, so to speak, uh, with these industries uh, together, um, with, uh, we've been in negotiations, we've, we've written policy together, uh, we've negotiated concepts and ideas of how we can make things better for uh, the city of Tampa and the people, uh, you know, regarding the environmental standards that impact people's lives right here. But we have a real challenge that is uh, facing us right now with regard to the PURE project. And put some quotation marks around that. Pure, uh, pure project. Yes, exactly. Air quotes. Yes. Right? Yes. Why do, why, do, why, do I, why do I need to put the quotations? For everybody to understand, why do we have to put the quotations by that, Bill? Well... Thank you, Walter. And Nancy and Carol and I are part of a, a small group of stakeholders from Friends of the Hillsborough River, Tampa Bay Sierra Club, and League of Women Voters. And we've been talking to our mayor and her top staff for going on two years now about their plans to take all our sewage wastewater, 50 million gallons a day, treat it, and put it in the reservoir above the Rolette Park Dam, where it would become part of our drinking water supply. We've tried for two years behind the scenes to quietly get Mayor Castor to drop this project as it's being designed now, but she's determined to go forward with it. It's an old idea. And this is something that Pam Iorio wanted to do. This is something that Bob Buckhorn wanted to do. But people called it toilet to tap then. They stood up then, 15, two, three, four years ago, and said no. They dropped it. So now this mayor has put a new label on it. They call it PURE, which stands for Purify Usable Resources for the Environment. But that's just old contaminated water in new bottles. You know, we're environmentalists, so I guess they thought if they'd use the word environment, we'd all stand up and applaud. But to us, it's not pure, it's, it's impure. We've really looked into this plan and we have a lot of problems with it. A lot of questions that we still don't have answers to. And the big questions are, do we need it? Mm -hmm. Is it safe? Mm -hmm. How much will it cost? 
will we still be able to afford water? And the answers to all those are no. No. <laughs> yeah. That's the answer to every bit of it. Yes, sir. You know, they say that we need this water so we'll never run out. But in two years, they haven't shown us any proof that we're going to run out of water or that this will be safe and affordable. You know, out west, it stopped raining pretty much. L.A. finally got a little rain yesterday. But we're not them. We're getting more rain. With climate change, we're projected to get even more rain than we have they're getting these days. We're already right about at our average annual rainfall here in early September. And what could it cost? It might cost anywhere from three to six billion dollars. That's capital B, billion. That could more than double everybody's water bill. Right. Now mine's about sixty dollars a month. How'd you like to pay about one hundred twenty? Right. Or more once we finally do get safety standards, which we don't have today, right. and figure out that we have to rebuild what's already a three point four billion dollar project and start all over to make it safer. Well. Right. That's, 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 that is, I don't, I don't know about you folks, right? Uh, but this ain't California. No, that ain't California. And the income here does not match anything regarding living standards. We no. have enough, we have enough issues right now when it comes to paying for housing. Exactly. Right? Ms. Steve? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we're, we're not California. Um, it, I just looked it up. Uh, San Diego just got a little rain. Yeah. We have Bless had, our hearts. We've had more rain. Right. We've had more rain in the last 10 days than San Diego's had all year. So, you know, the, the, most of their days are dry. We're not a desert, um, despite the fact that on the, pure, on the Pure website, there's a little video that talks about global warming and droughts. That's not supposed to be true for Tampa. We have, we have water, it rains. And the projections, if I may say, uh, for future in terms of the impacts of climate change for Florida are very different than they are for other yes. places in the country. Exactly. And we are supposed to get excess water. Yeah, but they, we should be preparing more for floods rather than rains. Um, well, amazing. I can I mean, a, a, a interesting point uh, that I think needs to be emphasized is, number one, the standards. Uh-huh. And uh -huh. the lack the lack of standards. Right. Um not so much I think I think the process is is an issue, right? Only because of the costs. Right. Involved right. in the process. And can I take a minute to explain what the wastewater is? Sure. To, to, to sure. kind of put it in perspective and relate it right, to the right. previous conversation. Right, right. I was just going to go there. Yeah, just going to go there. So yeah, please, please. I want to relate it back to the previous conversation where there was they were putting pollutants in the river. Well, here we don't put pollutants in the river. We have a wastewater, you know, a sewage system that industries and all of us put our waste in. And that's, it goes into a sewage system. Right. And that is treated wastewater. So mm -hmm. that's what they're proposing. Now that we've taken it out, they want to put it back in. <laughs> it's like, I don't, it's not kind of like mind boggling. So everything that would normally go, you know, all the waste from industry, hospitals, people, anything else, this is going into the sewage system. Okay. It is treated, um, they call it reclaimed water. And this reclaimed water is actually reused in some places. It's actually piped to some locations to reuse it. For example, in South Tampa, we have a system called Purple Pipes, where we can hook in and water our lawns. Mm -hmm. Only about 50% of the people use it to water their lawns. They have, then they refuse to make, I mean, there's a good use for reclaimed water. It helps reuse it. And we've asked, well, why not make everybody use it? Well, not everybody. People are afraid if they reuse it. Uh, if they use reclaimed water, people are afraid it might kill their plants. It might be harmful for their dogs and their children mm -hmm. because it's reclaimed water. And if you look on the Tampa's website, they give a warning about this reclaimed water. So don't drink it. Right. Don't, don't come put in contact it in your, with it. Don't, put it, don't come in contact with it. Don't put it in your pools. Don't put it on vegetables. You're going to eat the skin. It's contaminated water. And the issue, so, so since they can't get more people to use it for their lawns, they're going to try to make us drink it. <laughs> and, they, and the issue is they have not committed to using the best treatment possible to make it safe. The, the, the best treatments that are, so the communities that use reclaimed water use a, a system called reverse osmosis mm -hmm. and they have not committed to do that. And when you say not committed to do that, you mean the standards? Well, that's the, that's the funny thing about the situation, Walter. We're talking about a whole new ball game. I'm holding up here on the, uh, on the screen a little slip that we got in our water bill mm -hmm. this last month and it tells you 
to get the 2021 water quality report from the city, which is great. It tells us how we, the city, are complying with federal and state drinking water standards, including the Safe Drinking Water Act. And this is great. Our water today is absolutely safe. Make no mistake. They do a great job taking Hillsborough River water, which has dirt. It has bacteria. It has stuff like that. In fact, tomorrow they're going to start adding chlorine to it, to which they shock the system every now and then. They make darn sure that the water is safe from right. that kind of contamination. This is a whole new ballgame. This is a whole new ballgame. They have no experience with these kind of contaminants. We're talking about PFAS. What's that? Forever chemicals. We are just learning how dangerous those are. The EPA has just come out this summer. They set two standards out of hundreds of PFAS chemicals. The EPA, folks, Environmental, Environmental Protection, Protection Agency. Agency, the federal government. But they said, you know, you really don't need, you really shouldn't have any of that in your water. But also, you know, right now, the standards, there are no standards for this water. This is wastewater that would still have some amounts of every drug, every chemical, everything that you'd buy at a Walgreens from the pharmacist or health and beauty aides, whatever, hormones, antidepressants, insulin, you name it. Mm -hmm. Some of that would still be in that water. What happens when your grandchild drinks that water with it all her life and it builds up in her body little by little? Answer is, we don't know. Studies have shown already that fish that are exposed to estrogen chemicals have problems like the male fish grow ovaries. The boy fish turn into girl fish, which could crash the fish population. And the problem is the government, the EPA and the Florida Department of Environmental Protection, they're way behind on setting any safety standard for any of these new chemical contaminants. So Tampa's been placed in the position by a new state law that says you need to do this with, okay, if you're going to use this water and you're going to drink it, uh, we, can, we will never know if it's safe. So that is the problem. But the mayor doesn't seem to care about that little problem. I think it's a big problem. She told me to my face at my neighborhood meeting three weeks ago that we can't wait for safety standards because we don't want to be like those folks in California where their Lake Mead Reservoir, the Hoover Dam, is dried up. But, you know, last time I checked, we're getting plenty of rain. Hillsborough River is running really high. Are you? Did you just? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. She said that we don't want to be like Lake Mead and, and those people out in Southern California and Arizona. And that's why I looked up that you've gotten as much rain in the last 10 days that San Diego's gotten all year. We are not California. We're already at our average annual rainfall amount today. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we are just... This is... Wow. I hope everybody heard that over everybody's listening. Uh, the standards, the drinking They're, water standards... The treatment standards been right. is, is, is the issue. We've begged and I've not them. seen any. We've, yeah. We've begged them to, if you're going to do this, if you want to test some other system other than reverse osmosis, then that's what they're going to use in California and San Diego and places like that. They, where they, to. Got to use, they have to use this water because they've got no other water anymore. But they're going to use reverse osmosis. Very expensive. But it takes everything out. H2O, that's all you got left. City has not committed to that. They want to try other systems. Okay, fine. If there were standards that you could test and say, we leave a little bit of this, and this, 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 all these other hundreds of chemicals, is that safe? We don't know. But they want to go ahead and do that. So we'll never know. I told the mayor, you will not be able to send out a little flyer like this with your water bill and tell people, like you can today, that their water is safe. We just won't know. And I don't want to wait and find out in 10, 20 years when our children go up with all kinds of issues that because we're exposing them to these chemicals in a way that we had never have before. And Walter, there's another troubling aspect as if this weren't enough. So I, I think uh, what we've discussed has, you know, there's, it's not a clear need right. uh, that this is being pushed down our throats. Um, we don't know the costs, and we certainly don't know whether it's safe and what the risks are. But there's another troubling aspect, and that is the lack of transparency and accountability. Right. Right. So this stakeholders group has been meeting for 20 months, those are monthly meetings, with the water department and other city officials. And in March, there was a, a meeting with the mayor herself. 
and asking repeatedly these questions. And um, I guess I can be charitable and say that the information has not always been accurate. Um, And uh, we reluctantly went along with a request last January um, for something over a million dollars to begin exploration for, for specifically for analysis and for public outreach to let Tampa citizens know what's going on. Right. Um, so since uh, February or so, they've had the, over a million dollars. And they were told to come back to city council uh, in July, explain what they had done with that money, and that would determine what would happen going forward. Well, July came and went. In August, they came in, uh, surprising us, we've been meeting monthly, but uh, surprising us, and asked to double that amount for another more uh, $1.3 million uh, to fund this project. Um, The council finally came back and, and continued the issue until the next meeting on the 15th of September. There's seems to be some machinations going on right now so we're not really sure about that but we're we're surely going to be at that meeting right. uh, and uh, as a result of this uh, disingenuousness and and I would say craftiness um, we as a stakeholder group and our our uh, parent organizations have uh, come to the the position that we will absolutely oppose uh, this project it, we take no joy in that we've been working with the city for over two, almost two years now, oh, yeah. to try yeah. to get them to do it in a way that makes us, gives us water that is safe and affordable, right. which is a trick. And the city doesn't seem to care. Wow. You know, clean water is a basic human right. <clears throat> affordable clean water is a basic human right. And when a government works on our most urgent problems, you know, that's the kind of government we should have. We should be working on things like affordable housing and getting ready for the impact of climate change here, which is preventing flooding in our neighborhoods because it's raining more and all, all the time. We need to regain our focus here. So we asked the city's council to redirect the mayor's office to do the work that we need to do in Tampa and not go off on this project that some people in city government have wanted to do for 20 years. They won't let it go. We got some phone calls here. Let's get these phone calls now. 47 minutes, 47 minutes after the hour of 9 a.m., folks, right here on WMNF 88.5 Tampa. This is the Sunday Forum with your host, Walter Smith the second. We have um, uh, Nancy Stevens, uh, Phil Compton, and Carol Camisa, who have joined us here in studio to discuss this issue of pure, uh, the new controversial water treatment process that is being proposed by the city of Tampa. Is it transparent? Are the tra- you know, is the information transparent? Um, what are the problems that we're having with this? We have uh, addressed those issues this morning, and we're going to leave it up to you, the forum, to decide. Uh, phone calls will come in, so let's go to the phones right now. All right, caller number one, you're on the Sunday Forum. Hey, how you doing, Walt? Good morning. How are you? Good morning. You good? Hey, man, we're in real trouble in this country. What this gentleman says is so oh, oh, horrifically true. And we, if we don't set a standard or, or we start playing this politics with our water, uh, we're going to pay the price for this. And this is all over this country. When we start having, well, we don't need these type of regulations. And this gentleman says, you know, these powerful medications that, you know, we think that are gone. And, uh, and you know, once they get into our mouths and they end up in our excrements and into the water system and they're not being purified, these things are going to come back to haunt us. Just ask, I'll give you one example people don't even talk about. This, this drug, uh, declofenate, okay? In India, that drug is that that drug because people use it it's in the water system has been known to kill buzzards you know that's where and that's a popular anti-inflammatory drug Mm -hmm. so and that's because we excrete this out into our system if something like that will kill a buzzard 
what else do we have around here that will kill? I, you know, I, your, your guess, the only thing I may not disagree with is fluoride. And fluoride, if you really want to look at something, you look at something, you can really tell by looking at someone's uh, population's mouth, which uh, populations are properly by one part per billion. And um, and I'll leave that alone, so that's a, that brings a whole discussion. But these gentlemen, these people that you have here, man, we are, we are absolutely 100% thousand percent take this stuff all decisions ignored oh god i'm going yeah, and that's an absolutely good point in fact we had um, been aware of a study done by a florida international and in, um in the fishery outside of miami and they looked at what contaminants what pharmaceuticals are in mm-hmm. fish mm-hmm. and they found all sorts of pharmaceuticals in the fish in the water there i mean and they found one fish that had 16 different pharmaceuticals jesus and this is amazing because it's out in the, it's out in the bay it's out in the open water and yet these fish are continuously in that water and absorbing it so what will happen to our children if we put our wastewater take our wastewater and put it in our reservoir and our children continually you know absorb these th- that water with some of these um, pharmaceuticals and other contaminants. In we it. need to identify these contaminants. Yeah, one of, them, one of them is an antidepressant, and they found that these fish had 400 times the level that you would want to have Good if God. your doctor prescribed it for you. So what were the fish doing? They were high. They were swimming around. They lost their fear of predators, so they're swimming up to Barracuda and say, hey, buddy. Uh, yeah. It's really, they observe strange behavior amongst those fish. But it's not just that. Our fish come up to the dam at Rollette Park mm-hmm. in that area where the water's fresh right. at the purpose of the minimum flow, daily minimal flow of fresh water. And the city wants to replace that clean <coughs> fresh water with this water. What would it do to our fish? Again, would our boy fish turn into girl fish and, and every, you know, our population of Tampa Bay crash? Yeah. And also, it could affect people who have their own private wells because part of the city's plan is to first inject 50 million gallons a day, which is a lot, into the aquifer around Seminole Heights, which could contaminate those private wells. Wow. And when the city was asked about that, the head of the water department was asked about that over a year ago at the Old Seminole Heights Neighborhood Association, all he could say is, trust us. We would never do anything to harm you, but they're not even going to look at what that would do to the aquifer and to the wells in our neighborhoods. Let's and go to our next call. Please, go ahead. Please. I was just going to say, once you go in this direction, these are things that you can't back up. I mean, you, right. you put 50 million gallons a day into the aquifer. Oops. You can't change your mind now. Right. right. We've done it now. That's it. And they're talking about treating it in the aquifer, correct? They haven't, they haven't told us what kind of treatment they will do to it before they put it in the aquifer. Right. We're so. going to do all the treatment that we can afford to yeah. do, not all the treatment that it's going to take to make it safe. Quote. Let me draw that distinction there. Okay. All right. Let's go to our, our next call. Uh, caller, please go directly to your question. We don't have a lot yes, of time. Yes, yeah. I, I want to uh, ask a direct question. Uh, like the gentleman said, this issue has been around for a while, for at least 15, 16 years. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, because my understanding is that they want to shift the water to Pinellas and Pasco counties. natural water office officers. That's my understanding. Is there a potential mass money-making uh, a product for the city of Tampa from by selling that water to Tampa Bay uh, water. Thank well, you. we, uh, sir, we uh, have been advocating that they might, if they want to do something with it, to put it into the regional system with Tampa Bay water because they have a reverse osmosis system, but Tampa wants to build its own reverse os- or its own water treatment system, not reverse osmosis, and have its own independence from Tampa Bay water. The water that goes to the rest of the region comes from the river, the Alpha River, the Hillsborough River. This time of the year, they take it, they store it, and then they treat it. And that's fine because that water doesn't have these contaminants that we're talking about. Hey, I got to say, this is the week when that could decide whether Tampa's water stays safe to drink and affordable. And we need your help. There's three things that you can do right now. Email the mayor at jane.caster c-a-s-t-o-r at tampagov.net and email all city council at tampa city council at tampagov.net everybody can do that right now 
If you have the time tomorrow, come to our press conference tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock at the Sulphur Springs Museum and Heritage Center at Manwagnon Park on the river. Beautiful spot. 1101 East River Cove Street. It's just off Nebraska Avenue. And if you can, after you've emailed council, come down to the city council meeting this Thursday morning at 9 o'clock. Look them in the eye and tell them that you want them to pull the plug on Pure. It's time to speak truth to power. All right. All right. We'll see. I think we have time for while well, we don't have time for it. We don't oh, yeah, have time we got, for one more. We, yeah. one more. we take one more, but you go, go, go okay. directly to the question. All right, caller, you're on the Sunday Forum. Directly to your question. Caller, how you doing? Welcome to the Sunday Forum. Okay, this is Deron. I ain't got nothing. Just the, uh, my condolences to Eddie Adams. I knew Eddie. Absolutely. The gentleman and Eddie uh, was serious about whatever he did and put his heart into everything he did. I used to play basketball. We'd have dressed up a lot. And he always was a good camaraderie person. Uh, definitely will miss him. No matter which side of the line, you know, I just wanted to say that. All right, all right. Thank okay, you, man. Thank Appreciate you. you, brother. Uh, do you want to take this last Let's call? Let's take this okay. last call. Caller, you're on the Sunday Forum. Directly to your question, caller. Welcome. Well, uh, since I have this little time, I just want to recommend folks uh, check out the section uh, Safer Water, Anti-Water Fluoridation, Environmental, Natural Fluoride-Free, Dent- and uh, Mercury-Free Dentistry. It's found in to be found at my website on the links page it's at theliberationstation.com the links page at theliberationstation.com is that section and uh, water fluoridation you know it's just uh, industrial discharge if you look at the annual water quality analysis under at least here in Pinellas County and every county like Hillsborough that I've seen it says that likely source of contamination for fluoride is alum- discharge from aluminum and fertilizer factories so it's untreated industrial waste from phosphate mining which are the fertilizer factories, which includes uh, heavy metals, hundreds of toxins, and radioactive isotopes. Um, you know, it's not refined. If uh, you look at the MSDS uh, material safety data sheet, uh, it'll show that as well. And, uh, Walter, I just posted on your Facebook live feed uh, comments with some uh, references on how it's the Dartmouth College um, studies showing that it's even more impactful on blacks and Hispanics. And if yeah, caller, yeah. if you are concerned about fluoride, and, and some people are, I know, we've got hundreds, hundreds of new chemicals that are definitely a lot scarier, a lot riskier than fluoride ever has been. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, folks, um, this is, and, and, and of course, it go back to the, the point that we've made here on the show and we continue to make uh, when we talk to people in general. And that is the people, the communities that are sitting right there, the fence line communities are the ones who the, that are that are affected the most, uh, especially in the black community, right there at the line, right there. I mean, it's, it's I mean, there's no question about it. And so we've got to make sure, you know, who wants to be labeled a human rights violator? Who wants to be labeled that? Literally, we could actually say that. You said it earlier, Phil. These are human rights violations, right? It would be. If, if, if they what would this, it do to your grandchildren? Right. That's, that's, that's a... And, and, Walter, there's the additional piece that they haven't demonstrated a need for this project. We're talking about a huge amount of money that would be damaging and cause irreparable harm. And what other needs do we have uh, in this community right now that are not being dealt with? Wow. Wow. That's... We've we got a few. Right, 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 right. <laughs> we have quite, yeah, yeah. Just a few of them. Just a few of them. Listen, folks, I want to thank you for joining us here on the Sunday Forum. Um, next week on the 24th. Not next week. Week after next. On the 24th. Saturday the 24th. Uh, we're having Toxic Bus Tour 4, Kicking Coal Ash. Yes, that's right. I said Kicking Coal Ash, A-S-H, to make sure that we're out there going hard against this coal ash that's being produced by our energy company, Tico, and that um, we are showing people on, these, on this day, as we did the last three times, um, how this is happening what these impacts are, what these chemicals are doing to our communities, to our people, um, what they can do to all of you out there, uh, what happens if exposed, if these things are exposed uh, or breached by 
disasters and they reach you, then my problem becomes your problem. Once my problem becomes your problem, now it's everybody's problem, and we got to do something about it now. But you don't want to wait until it becomes a problem. You want to do something about it now. We want to make sure that we are telling, sending a message, a clear-cut message to Tico um, and to other energy companies, wherever you are, and to our elected officials that if you are doing nothing, and you have been told, put on notice, and they have been put on notice that there's a problem with these things. If you can't get on the bus, you know, or attend information sessions to find out what you need to learn about these things, guess what's happening? You're contributing to this thing, especially if you're an elected official. If you don't know anything about it, you need to get to learn something about it. And so, um, you know, come on out at 905 North Albany Avenue, the Dr. Walter L. Smith Library. Um, 8, 8.30, we board the bus. 9, we leave. Uh, come on out, folks. Be a part of it. Hey, listen, as always, from my voice to the radio waves to the hearts and the minds of people, we love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it here on the Sunday forum. This is Walter.